exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. A uh, full lineup for you this evening. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be speaking with uh, uh, Manuela from the uh, Women's Center of Greater Lansing, as well as the uh, MSU Bowling Club, and uh, following everything up with a visit from the MSU Museum. But uh, right now, we're sitting down with Rebecca and Scott here from uh, from uh, our, our intramural program on campus, as well as uh, Tim from MSU Bikes, not the MSU Bike Project. They're now MSU Bikes. I'll make that one clear. So uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, stopping by. Thank you. Thank Certainly. you. Glad to be here. Certainly. Now, uh, go ahead and give us just a, as far as uh, intramural activities are going on. What give us an idea of what's what's going on in the world of uh, the IM? Um, intramurals is actually one of the largest student services um, areas on campus. We have uh, everything from what we call classic intramural sports. You know, pick up basketball or and leagues. Uh, we have leagues and lots of different sports that run all year round, including the summer. Hmm. But intramural sports also is involved with offering individual fitness. So we have fitness centers both at IM East and IM West. We have group exercise classes on campus, uh, both and all sorts of group exercise classes for sure. And that's where Scott kind of comes into play, and actually Tim comes into play. Scott is an avid rider hmm. for our group cycling classes. And Tim from MSU Bikes actually is our maintenance arm as well as what he does for uh, MSU in providing bikes for transportation. So lots of things. And the other aspect of intramural sports is the club sports aspect of it. And a club sport is the non-varsity version of a sport. Not all sports are varsity sports on any given campus. Mm. So... Perhaps if you wanted to play soccer and you wanted to play it competitively against other colleges, Mm -hmm. then at Michigan State, you would join the MSU Soccer Club. And they travel to other schools mostly on weekends, but they're competitive. They have championships and on and on. So lots to choose from when it comes to IM sports. So what kind of sports uh, could people get involved with? I mean, I'm sure that the regular ones come to mind, you know, the soccer, the baseball, things like that. But what are, I mean, there's got to be some that people are just kind of overlooking too. Well, when someone asks me, do you have hockey, my mm-hmm. reply is, do you want ice hockey, <laughs> roller hockey, mm-hmm. field hockey, or underwater hockey? Underwater hockey. <laughs> <laughs> underwater hockey. Not much of a spectator sport, but sure. there is underwater hockey. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's amazing how, regardless of the size of the person involved in playing it, really gets equalized by the water. You use this little stick that looks a little bit like a long dog bone, and you Mm -hmm. use a hockey puck, and you scoot it around on the bottom of the pool, and you go toward goals at opposite sides of the pool, and when you score, you win. Are they equipped with, like, scuba gear? How does this work? No, just mask and snorkels, which means you come up to the surface and breathe a lot, and you Hmm. learn a lot of good breath-holding techniques. I I bet, yeah. (laughs) I bet anyone on that team, I'm sure, is pretty good at it by now. That's so. great. So, so you've got, I mean, what, four flavors of hockey? What four else? flavors <laughs> of hockey. When it comes to the largest two sports, we have basketball and soccer. Basketball, uh, this past season, which we're in the process of wrapping up, we have, I don't know how many leagues, but individual players. There's over 6,000 basketball players on MSU's wow. campus. Everywhere from men's leagues, women's leagues, uh, co-ed leagues, and then... We get into the fraternity leagues, the dorm leagues, the independent leagues, so it really mixes it up quite a bit. Certainly. Uh, same thing with soccer. Uh, we run soccer all year round because we actually do indoor soccer over the winter months. But we have ultimate frisbee. Now, there's a sport that you don't normally think of as a competitive sport, but there are teams. We certainly have golf and tennis, uh, badminton, uh, table tennis, Ping pong is mm-hmm. the common name, obviously, but just all sorts of sports. Excellent. Now, uh, so, I mean, how many sports, I mean, uh, maybe that's kind of a tough question to answer, but how many sports would you say that you have all together? If you just had, if you had to throw a dart oh, at a board and guess. Oh, I tell you, there's probably between 45 and 50 different sports. Wow. Wow. Now, I mean, and, and are they, are you guys creating new clubs of, of sports uh, all the time? Is it, or is it 
we want to stick with these 45 or, or how We that have work? people beating on our door for lacrosse <laughs> all of the time. I'm sure. And we get to any other situation where we only have so much field space or so much court space. We get into ice hockey, and there invariably are teams that can't get into the league hmm. just because there's not enough ice time. And right. these guys, you know, these players are playing club until midnight and sometimes one in the morning <laughs> just to be on the ice, you know, for right. a game. But one of the nice things is uh, the department got a grant from the Forest Acres Trust Fund to renovate two of the three outdoor fields that we have. So I am East Fields, which are right next to my building, are getting a renovation starting this summer. They're going to upgrade the lighting, upgrade the drainage. The Vet Med Fields, which are right next to the Vet Med building, um, are getting drainage and lighting for the first time. Now, we'd also like to eventually be able to do that same thing for the service roads fields. Um, The fields that are down on the west side of campus in front of Munn are very well done and Mm. all set to go. They went through some upgrades here a couple of years ago, but they're all set to go. So does that mean that people, I mean, does that allow for more play on these fields, given that with with new lighting they can play longer? Is that sort of Definitely, because when, you know, sun goes down, then you can't see anything anymore. So the lights are really going to give us some more hours so we can expand and offer more time to playing time to the various clubs and IM sports. Of course, you bring a neon frizz to that ultimate frisbee tournament that might, helps. Might be a little difficult. Neon frisbee so. so now of course uh hopefully the weather is getting a little bit better right now um well not looking out the window today no, i know but i mean no. just I, I see little peaks of sun more and more <laughs> lately i mean we are getting closer to spring i mean is there uh are you getting more demand for for clubs and sports right now it's about it's pretty steady right now um it, they run a schedule similar to a varsity sport, so a lot of them have championships coming up in the next couple of months because usually all the NCAA sports wrap up by April. Hmm. Uh, obviously, we're you know in March Madness right now for basketball. Yeah. So, but one of the things that um, people do is they take indoor sports and like cycling is probably the premier example of a sport that you can take and train indoors over the winter Hmm. and then take it outdoors over the summer. So when we have our group exercise classes and our group cycling classes, we see a high attendance right now. But I tell you, once that weather breaks, uh, tennis starts dropping off <laughs> right. like crazy because I don't blame them. I'd like to be outside, too, and, and try to get some fresh air and be on the road. Excellent. That's where Scott comes in. Scott right. is one of our newest cycling instructors to add into um, intramural sports. And, Scott, tell us just a little bit about how you got into group cycling because uh, for being a newer instructor, you've got kind of an amazing story. All right. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, First of all, I work full-time at the MSU controller's office doing uh, desktop support and network security. And I started going to the IM uh, about June of 2007. I was training for the Delmac. Um, For those of you who don't know what that is, that's uh, Lansing to Mackinac ride on your bicycle, four days, 300 miles. Mm. At that point, I was about 255 pounds, um, had had some issues. I had sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, and arthritis pretty bad. And for a middle-aged guy, that's not very good. So I started training on the elliptical and the weights and the treadmill. And, um, you know, it really hurt. I was in pain quite a bit, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. especially with the arthritis. But I stuck with it, um, did what I could. And as um, as I lost weight, I found that it was easier, easier no, on bet. myself. So. And um, I did complete the down Mac with very little problems. The last day I did 100 miles Whew. on my bike, so that was pretty good. Awesome. And um, that was through the hills of northern Michigan, too, sure. so that yeah, was I've, even more. I've had trouble staying awake driving that long, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. So after the Del Mac, I um, started doing the group cycling. I really enjoyed it. Um, I needed something to get me through the winter. I was afraid that I had lost some weight. I didn't want to put it back on over the winter, you know, how that goes. And um, so I needed to find something. And uh, started in, got connected with Rebecca, and um, asked her about getting certified. And I tried to encourage other people that I worked with to get involved in this fantastic facility that Mm -hmm. we have and these fantastic classes that we have. And um, I heard a lot of, I can't do that because, you know, they'd heard something about the group cycling class, and it was very intimidating 
Um, you know, it's it's very high end. Sure, yeah, sure. As far as calories go, and but it's got results. I mean, you're, yeah. you're but a testament to that. But it's got results. Yeah. One of the things that Scott has been able to do for our group cycling program is to bring that beginner's perspective mm -hmm. into it because cycling. There are cycling classes, and we do have cycling instructors that are incredibly talented and very intense and very high energy, but that doesn't work for everyone. Sure. So in order to put a good balance of different levels, even within group cycling, Scott was a wonderful addition to it and also an inspiration when you can use yourself as an example of this is where I started at, you know, and this is where I'm at now, mm -hmm. you know, 40, 50, 60 pounds later, and you know, that encourages other people. So Scott has been really wonderful at doing a beginner ride, sure. a less intense, a lot of instruction, a lot of talking, so that it's not intimidating because, you know, with people with bad knees or bad backs or whatever it is, sometimes typical exercise uh, only aggravates the problem. Mm -hmm. And you get on a bike and you don't have some of those issues. Sure. So you can get some good exercise, burn some calories, and uh, really make some strides toward being a healthier person. Sure, I'm sure. You know, I'm, I'm assuming talking to people, too. I mean, it's a little harder for them to, to say to you, oh, I can't do that. You know, yeah. given, given what you started with, I mean, you, you've certainly made, made it happen. Absolutely. You know? So now, when you when you started working with with IM, did you have a is there a program in place, or did you just kind of start up and say this looks good? I think I need to do that. I, I just started up basically with the elliptical and the weights and the treadmill, just kind of build my endurance skills mm -hmm. um, for the for the Dalmac, and then I realized that you know I needed to go farther than that, than that. I accomplished that goal, so let's let's move on. Let's do something else. So and, what kind of uh, goals did you set following that then? Um, well, <laughs> my first goal. Uh, last spring was a 20 mile bike ride. Jeez. And so I accomplished that. Yeah. You know, in the fall, I did the Dalmac. I did 100 miles in a day. Right. Now I've set the sights for um, riding my bike to California. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Two, in 2009. What, I can't imagine. Are, are you going to ride your bike to Japan after that? I mean, no, <laughs> no, I think. California is pretty much the yeah, I guess so. Wow. Is that, is that another uh, another race that's already uh, that's already set out, or is that just you on your own? Um, basically me on my own and okay. whoever else might want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's anybody out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the number, yeah. yes. we should drop the number real quick, though. Again, uh, our number here, 432-3893. I mean, you can't be the only person that's that's had these kind of results from, from IAM. If there's anybody out there who's you know experienced something like this or, or just really enjoys what IAM has to offer, please you know give us a call and, and let us know uh we'd love to hear it i mean this is the time to do it i was spring i said just coming around the corner it's it's a great time to be you know healthy in shape um now uh, for either of you and of course uh you know scott we or, uh tim excuse me we've got tim here from, from msu bike as well uh is there any tips that you have for folks who you know like i said weather's getting nicer well, they want to get out more want to get active but we've all been you know trapped indoors in cold weather for so long i mean getting kind of back in the swing of, of athletic things do you have any tips for people yeah, I mean, just, just you know, it, it is colder right now, but mm -hmm. you can get out there and just wear the, a few layers of clothing, and you can take off the layers as you get hot. It's really not that bad to be riding this at this time of year. I, I started riding a couple weeks ago into work, and, you know, sometimes you wear a lot more in the morning than you do going home, but it's, sure. you know. You, you Tim just, rode uh, over here, by the way, on I his would, bike. I would, <laughs> I would expect no less from him. Sure. <laughs> Got to do that. But yeah. it's uh, just a regular ride back and forth to work. You can really accomplish a lot. Sure, and of course the, the environmental uh, benefits, the, sure. your, your, the money in your pocket from gas, which is yeah, always absolutely. going up. There's a lot of great benefits to that, too. I and started riding my bike on campus more often last summer, especially after I got a couple of parking tickets. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I've been a victim even, of that, too. Yeah. Even with the paid you know, staff parking, I still got parking tickets. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is enough of this. you know. And, and you're right, when you talk about the environment and MSU with their going green. Go green, yeah. Go, <laughs> that's coming up. So uh, And ongoing. I mean, it's going to hit even bigger when the new recycling center opens up. But, yeah. you know, it's like, there isn't any reason why I can't ride my bike across campus. So I kind of buffed it up and stopped by <laughs> Tim, and he kind of checked it out for sure. me. And he says, okay, you're good to go. So I've been... A little chicken, though, when it comes to weather like this. Yeah. But it won't be long. I'm crossing my fingers. I really want to get back out there on my bike. Well, now you mentioned something that kind of that reminded me of something else is that you know a lot of folks might assume that the that, that you know your 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 department, your group, I guess, uh, you know, is is great for repairs for your bike. But now you also help provide people with bikes too. Is that right? Yes, we we've 
continue to do our green bike program, mm -hmm. which is uh, basically we're fixing up abandoned bikes, re you know, recycling them essentially, right. and uh, paint them green. Mm -hmm. Obviously, MSU green. Hell, of course. Yeah, and uh, and then we also take a lot of bikes on you know private donations as well, and from some of the local apartment complexes. But we we provide lots of bikes in that program. That's great. Now rentals or for sale. So you oh, you rent them out as well. That's primarily what the Green Bike program okay. is, yeah. Okay. So we, we've got six, seven hundred of them out there around campus. Just waiting to be used. Oh, they're, no, in Oh, the use. ones that are already Those used. are already yeah. on oh, campus yeah. being used. Wow, that's pretty good results. Yeah. yeah. We've got a number of them ready to go for the spring semester, so. Just in time for, for a bit nicer yes. weather, hopefully. That's exactly. great. So, you know, given given all this, we, we kind of talked about, you know, the sort of the advantages of, of biking, you know, to, to campus, to work, what have you. Uh, I mean, are there any other tips that you guys have? I mean, you know, given given your success with IM, I mean, how, you know, I'm sure there's folks out there who are like, well, yeah, I should, you know, everyone has that, I need to work out more. Start a program. Start a program. Just but, get started. That's the hardest part. Once I get those people to my class, or any class for that matter, mm -hmm. They, they continue to come because they, they like it. They find out how much fun it is. They see the results, and it's wonderful. Um, it's just getting the people there is the hard part. Sure, sure. Scott used a keyword, and it was the word fun, because mm -hmm. not everybody likes the same thing. Mm -hmm. For some people, biking is absolutely, you know, the cat's meow. That's sure. what they want to do. For other people, biking just doesn't cut it for them. Mm -hmm. So whether you, you know, are on a treadmill, whether you come to a yoga class, whether you come to a step mm -hmm. class, I mean, whatever really gets you moving and you get, have some fun out of it, that's what's going to draw you back. And as long as you keep moving and you get some fun out of it and get mm -hmm. some exercise out of it, what else can you ask for? That's well, that's the best combination. That's something else too. You mentioned the classes that you have, and I think that's something that gets overlooked as well. What what sort of classes can people get from from IM? One of the newer aspects about intramural sports has only been oh the last couple of years that has really started to rebuild mm -hmm. is the group exercise program. Mm -hmm. uh, we've taken everything from um, you know your basic high low types of classes and step, but we also added cardio kickboxing. We have Pilates, yoga. I have a wonderful new um, Tai Chi instructor that does a lunch hour Monday class. Oh, wow. Uh, so you can just fit it in your, in your work day, huh? Yeah. Oh, and, excellent. And those we try to fit into the between that 12 and 1 o'clock spot so that people can try to get sure. uh, that. We have belly dancing classes. Oh. We have a ballroom dancing class. Uh, lots of Pilates because that's very strong right now mm -hmm. along with uh, yoga classes. But uh, lots to choose from. One of the newer ones is called Zumba. It's kind of a uh, Caribbean-Latin combination. Hmm. We had a workshop here on campus here last month, and it sold out. There were 70-some people here from all over the state of Michigan and some people from Canada and Indiana as well oh, wow. here for Zumba. And it's absolutely one of the... Most fun things. It's, it's, I'm assuming do. it's dance based. It's dance based, but you get that Latin Caribbean and you get that fun and party attitude mm -hmm. into it, <laughs> and you just move. You know, yeah. you don't have to have perfect coordination at all, and you just get in there and have a party. You know, that's kind of the whole <laughs> attitude with the Zumba's. Get in here and party. You know, yeah, who's to think about working out? You want to go party? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's been fun. One of the interesting things that I learned about since coming, because I've been here on campus for just over two years, is um, when students are involved with intramural sports, two things really come to light and also carry over into you know, future endeavors. Mm -hmm. One is time management, because whether you're taking a cycling class, whether you're taking Zumba or yoga or any other class mm -hmm. or you know, shooting hoops with the guys on a league, you have to have better time management skills because if your class is at 4.30 or your league plays at 5.30, you've got to manage your sure. time and make sure you have your study time in as well as your recreational mm -hmm. time. The interesting thing is that students that are, are involved with intramural sports in any aspect, mm -hmm. whether it be individual, group, league, club, have a GPA average of six-tenths of a point better than 
the average MSU student wow. because of that time management. Sure, They've sure. learned to really focus their time. I would have to assume there's also a, a betterment of your body and, and, you know, affecting your brain, too. I mean, you're it is. more in shape. You can think better. You can you feel can better. You can think better. Yeah. You've got more oxygen to the brain. Sure. You, it's stress management, mm -hmm. too, that is wonderful, obviously, with the stressful aspects of studying and, and exams coming yeah. up and things like that. So it all it all relates, and that was one of the marvelous things about intramural sports right. is finding out that students actually end up with a better grade point. Not a lot of groups that come in here can say that coming That's coming true. to what we've got to offer will make you a better student. <laughs> what yeah. we can do for you can make you a better student, and you don't have to study at all for it. <laughs> that's that's terrific. Now, uh, something else I wanted to ask uh, Scott here about uh, uh, about the classes that you teach. You mentioned about uh, you know the, the importance of getting a program together. Is there something is is that something that I am can provide to people? Is there programs already in place, or or is it just individual needs you need to find that yourself? Um, individual needs, but we do have, if you go out on the web, you can search the address imsports.msu.edu, and you can get the schedule for any class that you might be interested in. Just just getting started, getting going to something that you might enjoy, or trying the different classes to determine if you're going to enjoy them or not. Even the as far as the um, cycling classes go, there's five or six instructors. Each instructor has their own different style. Mm -hmm. Um, you might prefer one rather than the other, sure. or the the time. Um, we have several time slots that you could, you know, fall fall into. If you're an early riser, you can pick up some of Tom and uh, Tom's classes, and also Scott's. But we have classes that run six thirty, seven thirty in the evening as well. So if your daytime schedule is really packed, you can do that uh, early evening aspect as well. Excellent. Well, we're running a little low on time, but uh, you know, I, I felt like I haven't given you as much time uh, to chat about oh, uh, MSU bikes, so I'll give you the final word. Is there anything you'd like to let people know about uh, the bikes uh, well, going I mean, on campus? You mentioned clubs, and mm -hmm. we do have a, a great uh, cycling club on campus, MSU Cycling, and, and they've got a race this Saturday morning that you can go watch or participate in. Oh, it's a collegiate race, so it's a, a Big Ten race, and I just it just occurred to me that um, that's this Saturday, so down at Dansville. Oh, perfect. Which is only about uh, 15, maybe 20 minutes from here. Yeah, yeah. So go out and cheer for them or go out and ride. I think it's still open registration for students. Or That's fantastic. Well, uh, competitive cyclists. Yeah, and of course, information on uh, on MSU bikes is available at bikes.msu.edu and uh, more right. on uh, the MSU, uh, MSU IM Sports, available at imsports.msu.edu. Uh, anybody, uh, anything else you guys like to add uh, on your way out here? Get out there and ride. Get out there, <laughs> yeah, get out there and ride, or if it's still too cold for you like me, then yeah. come inside and ride and uh, just enjoy. Find something that you like to do. Um, use it as a stress management tool because it really helps it in all aspects of yeah, your life. It's a great way to look at it. Come and right. see us. I, I know you'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're living proof of that. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Rebecca, Scott, Tim, everybody, uh, thank you so much for coming by. And uh, we're going to take a short break here on Impact Exposure, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
We are back with more exposure. We were just sitting down a moment ago with uh, Rebecca and Scott in for uh, the MSU, or excuse me, with IM Sports, as well as Tim from uh, MSU Bikes. If you missed any of that or you want more information on those groups, uh, uh, MSU Bikes is uh, found online at bikes.msu.edu, and uh, IM Sports is imsports.msu.edu. Moving right along, we're sitting down with uh, Manuela. I was uh, mispronouncing your name a moment ago. She's in here from uh, the uh, Women's Center of Greater Lansing. So uh, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Now, uh, we've, we've had uh, various folks on from, from the Women's Center before, but uh, just in case uh, people are unfamiliar with what the Women's Center is all about, could you give us a quick rundown of what, what it is the group is all about? Sure, absolutely. Um, we are a community-based private nonprofit organization. We were founded in uh, 2003. We opened our doors in 2005. We're located right on Michigan Avenue, 1710 and 1712 East Michigan. We're about halfway between Frandor and Sparrow. We're right on the number one bus route. Um, we provide personal counseling, career counseling, comprehensive employment services, um, all for women. We have support groups on everything from, um, we have a group called Not So Happy Endings, which is for women that are going through an end of a relationship or thinking about ending a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a support group, or actually we have two groups now, and we're starting a third group for women who are sexual assault survivors. Um, we have women who were abused as children or who were raped as adults. Mm-hmm. We have um, a support group called Traveling Tips for the Through the Midlife Journey for women who are going through midlife issues. We have... Um, a group for caregivers, women who are taking care of terminally ill or chronically ill loved ones. Um, our our job uh, services are a big part of what we do. We help with resume writing, job seeking, um, and we've, we're very successful with that. Even in today's economy, we had five women that went to work last week, and two of them were making $45,000 or over. So That's definitely um, a mark of success, I would say. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, given given Michigan's right. economic status, I mean, right. the fact that you're able to make, you know, you're you're basically going upstream with that. It sounds like, and you're yeah. doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of, in a in a nutshell, is what we do. If people are interested in more information, we encourage them to call the center mm-hmm. at three seven two nine one six three, or to get on our website. And the easiest way to do that is just to Google Women's Center of Greater Lansing. Sure, yeah, the address because is Because our URL yeah. is it's free, and so it's about right. you know two feet long. <laughs> sure. So. Well, now, uh, what uh, what is the Women's Center? You mentioned the, the sort of the, the perennial services, but mm-hmm. what uh, what does the center have coming up uh, that that may interest folks? Okay. Uh, well, we have a, a number of different things coming up. We always have a lot going on. Um, this weekend, on Friday and Saturday, we are doing a production of the Vagina Monologues, and I think a lot of people are probably familiar with that. This is the 10-year anniversary mm-hmm. of the monologues. Um, the monologues were written by Eve Ensler, and um, there's really, a, you know, there it's a ver- variety of stories um, that talk about uh, experiences that women have had regarding domestic violence, sexual assault, things like that. Some of them are more serious. Some of them are more humorous. Um, you know, it's a real mix of uh, the way that the materials treated. Um, I think one of the unique things about the performance that we're doing is that um, we have uh, partnered with the Ruhala Dance Company, which is in East Lansing. We've had them on as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're very, very talented folks. Yes. So um, we're really excited about this because we think this is going to make a really unique performance. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it actually at Perspective 2, which is up in Old Town, and it's a um, very new performing arts studio. And they have the space there, and so there'll be space for the dancers and space for the performers and also for the audience. So we're really excited. It really has been a community event. Um, We've had the folks from Peppermint Creek have uh, donated some of their equipment, um, their risers and things like that. We have lighting and sound people who are donating their time. Then we have the performers. Um, we have the dancers, so it's really been um, a community effort. To yeah, put, bringing a lot of really talented on. groups from the area, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so we're really excited about it, and we really encourage folks to come out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love it if they did come. For um, information, more information, they can contact the center at 372-9163. And there's also, like I said, more information on our website about that. Yeah. Now, as far as the performers for the vagina monologue, are they... <coughs> um, are they 
they from? Are they local to the Lansing mm-hmm. area? Yep, everyone's local. We have a range of ages from probably about. I think our youngest person is right around twenty, and our oldest person is, I think, is celebrating her fiftieth birthday. Oh, okay. um, so it's a pretty broad range sure. that we have, um, and a pretty diverse cast. I haven't seen it. It's all been very hush hush and very <laughs> secret. So I haven't actually. I said, you know, if you want me to talk about this, you need me to actually sure. be able to see it. And I said, oh no, you're not allowed to see it. So hopefully, your curiosity um, will. will, will travel through the airways here. Yep, and they're actually, they are at rehearsal tonight. I think tonight's the first night that they're actually doing rehearsal at the studio, so they were very excited about that, and the dancers are there tonight as well. Um, some some other things that we have coming up, uh, the following weekend, we have uh, a performance called Words of Hope and Healing, mm-hmm. and this is also um, a very unique performance in that um, it's actually, what we did was we got a small grant from the Lansing Area Community Trust Fund, and we put out a call for submissions, and we asked men and women who had um, who, who are survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault to share their stories in um, song and prose and um writings and a play, however they wanted, whatever format they wanted to do that in. And then we got um, a number of submissions from people from all over the Lansing area. And then we are going to um, have either them or someone else perform their piece. Mm. And this is going to take place here on campus one night, um, Thursday. It'll be in the Wonders Kiva at 730 and on Friday, it'll be at the Creole Gallery, also at 7.30. And um, what it's going to show is the stages that people go through. So some of the pieces are for people who this is really the first time that they've really given voice to what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, you know, this is what happened to me. And they're, st- they're just, you know, just putting it out there for the first time through um, people who have who are able to say, you know what, this is what happened to me. I've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, learned from it, and I'm trying to put it behind me, and this is where I am in my life now. So now for the, for the people that are submitting, are, are these completely anonymous? I mean, given that someone else is performing for them? Well, it's up to the person. Some okay. of the people are actually going to be performing their pieces, and then for others, someone else will be performing it. I so I think it's really... I think the decision is the person's. That's nice. Um, I mean, it gives people the option given their comfort level, I think. Right, exactly. Because, like I said, for some people it took weeks just to put this down on paper mm-hmm. and, and really give voice to what it is that's happened to have them. Have you been able to speak with people who have been who have been uh, submitting different pieces yet? Mm-hmm. Or, and what's mm-hmm. what's sort of been their, their general uh, feelings about this? Well, you know, I think it obviously it's very challenging mm-hmm. for a lot of people to... Um, you know, it's it's very hard to say this is what happened to me, and um, you know, to really, I think it's different um, when you're actually trying to put something on paper and convey it to other people. You're there's more of a reliving that happens. Mm-hmm. So I haven't talked to a lot of the the people that have done it, but I have talked to a few, and I know I saw some people kind of struggle with um, sure. with actually going through the process. Um, but I think that everyone that did do it, I think, is glad that they did. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I suppose that that challenge makes it that much more rewarding. I would. I would assume. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be a really powerful um, production, and and it's totally unique to this area. It's not something that's you know has been done anywhere else or will be done anywhere else. Yeah. So it's really a and again a very Lansing event based here, and uh, will be performed here. That's great. So uh, we're running just a little low on time here, but uh, okay. is there, uh, are, is, are those the two uh, the two big things that the uh, Women's Center is being involved with right now? Yeah, those really are. Um, I okay. guess a piece I forgot to say oh. was that um, the uh, Hope and Healing is part of really the whole Take Back the Night oh, yeah. um, event that's, that's going to be happening that week. Um, yeah, certainly if anyone has any questions, they can always go to our website. Um, they can always give us a call. We always are constantly updating the information that we have because we are adding things every week. 
Um, so our our uh, website's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, a lot of great info on there. I've been yep. I've been visiting it myself, of course. Yep. But uh, Good. Uh, well, that's terrific. So uh, Manuela, of course, here from the uh, Women's Center of Greater Lansing, uh, here to talk about uh, the vagina monologues coming up. This it's this weekend, is that this right? Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Uh, both of both going on at uh, Perspective Two. Oh, it's mm-hmm. Old Town La- mm-hmm. Lansing. Is that right? All right. Yep. Uh, this is of course the 10th anniversary. So lots of great uh, w- with performances by uh, Ruhala, mm-hmm. uh, performing arts center. So uh, definitely a show worth catching. And then of course the following. Uh, weekend uh, Thursday here on MSU's campus at the Wonders Kiva at 7.30 and then uh, the following night again Friday at uh, Creole Gallery uh, the uh, Words of Hope and Healing going on there. Of course more information available by calling 517-372-9163 or by googling uh, uh, Women's Center of Greater Lansing probably the best way to get a hold of that website Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Uh, Manuela, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a minute. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, the Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now... Back to Exposure. All right, we're back with more Exposure. We were just sitting down a moment ago with uh, Manuela from the uh, Women's Center of Greater Lansing. Of course, more info available from them at uh, by calling 517-372-9163 or by Googling the uh, Women's Center of East Lansing. Uh, moving right along, we're sitting down with uh, J- Katrina and Jamie here from the uh, MSU Museum. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, of course, we were just speaking with uh, sort of women's rights, but mm-hmm. uh, sort of more broader umbrella topic. Uh, you guys are here to talk about human rights. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, well, we have an exhibition going on right now at the MSU Museum, the Quilts and Human Rights Project. Mm-hmm. And coming up this Saturday, we are having um, the Ugly Quilts Project. So it's kind of like <laughs> a special event within the exhibit. Okay. And what we're doing is we're going to have recycled materials, so blankets, shirt, clothing that's been donated to the museum. And we are still taking donations. There's a bin in the exhibit right now. And what we're going to do is make ugly quilts, which anyone can do. It's really simple. You don't have to sew. They say if you can tie a shoelace, you can make an ugly quilt. Okay. Well, that's, that's fairly easy. So yeah. now, but what, what, is, what is the purpose of an ugly quilt? Um, um, the ugly quilts are basically like an emergency um, um, sleeping bag for people who are homeless. Oh, okay. So it's just something to kind of get through people through the night, um, especially in the cold weather like we have right now. So um, we're going to make the quilts and then actually fill them with clothes and donated items, um, just a temporary solution for sure. you know a problem in the area and yeah. just to help people, just you know a helping hand to get them through. That's a great idea. Now, uh, yeah. is this is, how long has this been going on? The the ugly quilts, is, or is it has started yet? Um, well, the Ugly Quilt Project is actually part of an international project, the My Brother's Keeper Quilt Group. Hmm. So anyone can do this. Um, you don't have to come and do it with the museum. If you want to later go out and do a project for this, you can go to their website and hmm. it has uh, it explains everything, like how to do it, the steps. Yeah what you need to do. It's really easy. It's a good activity for children and kids is to it, get involved. Um, is, or is it for the same purpose, providing uh, yep. quilts for the homeless and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and the website for the Ugly Quilts mm-hmm. is www.uglyquilts.org. Uglyquilts.org. All right. And you can yeah. get more information on that there. And of course, uh, you're still, you said you're still accepting donations for uh, was it just scrap uh, clothing yeah. and all that? Or? Clothing, um, sheets, blankets, even drapes, you know, Pillows. anything flat, fabric. Just yeah. anyth- anything that can be sewn into a absolutely. quilt. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you don't have to sew, you don't have to worry about being able to sew. We have people who can 
And like Jamie said, if you can tie a shoelace, you can sure, do this. Sure, sure. And if folks want to get involved, uh, is there certain times to come by? Or? Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, um, um, the 29th mm-hmm. of March, there's going to be a workshop to make the ugly quilts. Um, actually, in the Human Rights and Quilts exhibit, in the, right in the gallery at the MSU Museum. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, it's running right from campus. 10 to 4 p.m., so mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of an all-day event. So everyone is welcome to come. We're mm-hmm. hoping to get a lot of people to make a lot of quilts. Have you had uh, much in the way of submissions so far? Have there been people dropping off stuff already? or? Um, yeah, yeah the we bin actually is have. pretty full. Really? <laughs> actually, right. yeah. So it's looking yeah. good. We're excited about good, that. Good, good, good. Yes. All right. So now you mentioned that the, the Ugly Quilts Project is part of a, a, a sort of larger exhibit. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's the Quilts and Human Rights Exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, this exhibit actually explores the role that quilt makers have played in raising awareness for human rights um, issues around the world. Okay. So it's this incredible exhibit that it's using art to, you know, represent um, social change and hopefully create social change. Right. It's pretty amazing. So one that comes to mind for me is, of course, the AIDS quilt. That's, I think, probably the, the maybe the mm-hmm. most famous one. Uh, sure. Yeah. So what, what, what other kind of ways have quilts been used? Uh, there's actually quilts representing the apartheid. Um, we have quilts representing, um, you know, domestic violence, um, what? Uh, we have, there's a lot. Um, domestic violence, the Sabrinka Massacre, mm-hmm. 9-11, um, Native Americans fight mm-hmm. in Canada and America and their struggle. Mm. Um, so world oppression down to, you know, very like personal, kind of sure. individual oppression. Perhaps a personal drunk driving accident yeah, or something sure. along those yeah, lines. Yeah, they have yeah. incest and in it should be known. It takes on pretty heavy, you know, topics. Um, sure. So just something to be aware of. But it's it's a great way. It's a great it's a great thing to do with your family. It's a great thing to um, you know for students to check out. Uh, it's it's an amazing exhibit. Very powerful. Very mm-hmm. dynamic. So what is what is the appeal of quilts to these issues? I mean, I think most people tend to think of more like activists, you know, mm-hmm. marching the streets kind of things. But what right. is it about the quilt that, that's so appealing for a social movement or a or a personal incident? Um, one thing about quilts is actually it's a very traditional uh, medium that a lot of women have used to express art. So that's, um, you know, that's been a lot of the artists are actually women. So that's a really positive, you know, aspect to see, you know, um, those artists be able to have their work displayed. And another way, it's also kind of an interesting metaphor for you thinking of quilts are, are traditionally something that's kind of like warm and protective and. Um, and this actually, they're using that same medium to express, you know, social injustice. Hmm. Yeah, one thing about the, I mean, I mentioned the AIDS cold a minute ago. One thing yeah. I was kind of struck about that is the way that uh, it, it's it's literally bringing people together mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to combine. Is that safe to say for, for the rest of these uh, exhibits? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Bosnian quilt? Yeah, the yeah. Bosnian quilt. Um, there's a group that's going through, and there was 8,000 men and boys who were killed in that massacre. Mm-hmm. And they're making a patch for each individual that was killed. So this is an ongoing project. I see. And um, they're still taking funding and trying to get people more involved and mm. trying to expand it so they can do all 8,000 people and honor them. I see. And you have a, yeah. you have the, the, a portion of this, is that right? Mm-hmm. Or? Yes. We do. So, we do. so what can, I mean, um, it's kind of hard to describe this, I'm sure, but like, can you give us an idea about what, what that sort of looks like? Um, it's yeah. kind of like... Mexican rugs, like that thick wool, okay. and they have different patterns, and there's actually the name of someone. So are these, uh, are these like squares of, of fabric that are all connected? Or? Yes, okay. they're about um, one about foot, 18 inches or something. 18 inches. Yeah, quite large okay. patches, and then each one represents their different colors, and each one represents one person. Yeah, and they have like a specific like pattern or design to it. Mm-hmm. So it's and the families, nice. I, I'm assuming, of, of the people, the victims have have been contributing things yes. about the people to to the those that are making it is that mm-hmm. okay. yeah and they're taking donations to so people who um can't afford mm. to um, make a patch you know they can do it for them so it's just this continuous project of trying to heal and honor and it's made by the people who who still live in that that region is that right um no um there it's made by bosnians but okay. um a lot of them are here in america oh i see but so. everyone who's making it has been personally affected by it oh, you wow. know like they have you know maybe it was a son or a husband or a relative that was killed so everyone who is making a patch you know, has been affected personally by the strategy. I see. So, of, of all the uh, of all the quilts that you have on display, uh, do people get a chance to interact with those that are that are in, uh, have a hand in making it, or is it more just you know sort of stand back and, and kind of 
look at it and take it in. We have well, a little bit of both, actually. Yeah. Um, typically, if you go on to the, into the muse museum any day, mm -hmm. um, you'll have your own personal chance to interact with the museum. But um, we have special things like Meet the Curator and Visiting Artist Day. Mm. So I think the next one is April 6th. We have April Ship coming in. So that's a Sunday, and it's running from 2 to 5. Um, then it's pretty much every Sunday after that. So then April 13th, we have Diana Diaya mm -hmm. from 2 to 5. And then um, April 20th, we have Mena Shalin Broad from 2 to 5 also. And all these events are taking place right in the Human Rights Exhibit. I see. I'm assuming these are, these are individuals who are making different projects along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have their, um, one of their quilts is displayed in the work. So you can actually go up to them. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had Chris Worland, and she was at a table and was displaying how she makes quilts, and then people can just go up to her, ask her a range of questions, and just engage. And mm. we're just trying to get more people involved in the community and with this project in human rights. Sure. So what, what about the whole project appealed to the, to the MSU Museum to take it on in the first place? Um, the MSU Museum, um, the individuals who work there and the museum as a whole, they're very conscious of, you know, social injustice and very conscious of, um, you know, promoting art as, you know, or using art to promote discussion. And um, I think that this was just seemed like a, a fantastic opportunity to, you know, to promote that more. Um, also, there, we're in the year of arts and culture right now. Mm -hmm. So I think the MSU Museum wanted to do something particularly important and particularly, you know, exciting to help you know, to help celebrate that. Sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, everybody seems to have, you know, a personal pet issue or, or things like mm -hmm. that. I mean, it sounds mm -hmm. like with the, the Quills Project, no matter what your issue, you're going to find something there that you can connect to. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, we've, um, Katie and I have done tours, and we've had students come in, and everyone seemed to be able to connect on some level, even if you think just about down to the basic level of these are quilts, and, mm -hmm. you know, my mom or grandmother have made me a quilt, and I own a quilt. You know, you can mm -hmm. connect in that way. Sure. Also, social issues and um, the issues we go, we are working with here are global. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have quilts from Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, America. I mean, everyone is affected by human rights violations. Right. Yeah, yeah and it, it seems like also a, a great way to sort of understand more about it. And given Absolutely. the given the weight of some of these topics, it seems like an easier way to approach it too. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, issues of acts of genocide, and, and you mentioned incest. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things not to be taken lightly, and Absolutely. yet yeah. it's it's sort of an artistic method too. I think so. That's Absolutely. that's really kind of a. Uh, and just a more uh, easily approachable way, I guess, is the best way to put it. So yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Like these artists have used this as a way to heal too. You know, mm. so that's another like element of this that's so great is that, you know, like through their research or just through their expression of art making, they're you know being able to heal through this. So certainly, yeah, it's it's a fantastic exhibit. Well, personally speaking, is there any are there any uh, quilts that have appealed to either of you more than others? I mean, not to not to slight any of them, of right? Course, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, is there something that strikes you in a personal way, either of you? Um, probably the Barbara Hogan quilt. Um, last summer, Katie yeah. and I went uh, to South Africa with Kurt Dewhurst and Marsha McDowell on the museum studies and expressive culture in South Africa study abroad here at MSU. Mm -hmm. And we were actually able to go into the women's cell that Barbara Hogan was in, and we actually seen the confine that she was at when she was making this quilt. And she made it to keep her sanity from being mm -hmm. in solitary confinement. Well, was, was she involved with apartheid? I'm not familiar with her name. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bar Barbara Hogan um, was, yeah, she was a prominent figure in fighting against the apartheid. I see. Um, because of her activism, she was actually imprisoned. Mm. And then she made a quilt during her imprisonment, um, which is actually on display. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. which also has a, it, that was very personal for, um, for the director of the museum and, and for um, the curators because they are, you know, it's very personal for their work in South Certainly. Africa as well. Yeah. So definitely, that one's on display. It's pretty incredible. Definitely fits mm -hmm. in with the, uh, the social injustice. Uh, Absolutely. Too, certainly. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, we're uh, just about running a little bit low on time, but okay. uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about the, the, the exhibit or the museum itself? Well, I'd just like to n let you know that um, there's also the international print portfolio that's occurring right now, oh. and that has to do with also the Declaration of Human Rights from the UN. Mm -hmm. It's the 60th anniversary Um of the creation of the declaration and it deals article with article and it has a print to go with each one. Oh wow. And then also this Friday the MSU is having their fundraiser the wine tasting benefit. 
So. It's kind of a fun event. Uh, yes, end on a more absolutely. fun note, I suppose. But uh, well, it's been great. I mean, there's so much going on at the Amazing yes. Museum, like there basically is. all the time. So. <laughs> yes, please check it out. Um, the website is www.msu or excuse me, museum.msu.edu. Yeah, lots of great info there, and of course, a lot of you know, ways to get a little visual snapshot of all absolutely. the stuff that's going on as well. Yeah. Uh, Katrina, Jamie, thank you so much for guys for coming by. Thank you oh. so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Certainly. Well, we're going to take another break, and we'll be back to wrap up Impact Exposure in just a minute. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Uh, we are just sitting down a moment ago with uh, Katrina and Jamie in from the MSU Museum to talk about their uh, uh, Weavers of Hope uh, quilt advocacy project. So uh, if you missed any of that want to learn more about it, of course, the website museum.msu.edu. About as easy as it gets to remember right there. Uh, moving right along, we're going to wrap up uh, our show tonight. We're sitting down with uh, Chris, who is the head assistant head coach excuse me, of the uh, MSU Bowling Club. Uh, thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. So now you, uh, in addition to being the, the assistant head coach for the club itself, you're also uh, a bit more involved with uh, with the, the women's team, is that right? Yep, I was uh, fortunate enough to help the women the last two years, and uh, they made a lot of improvements, and have done pretty good. For yeah, a couple of years. So. I mean, now I've, uh, of course they've been uh, getting some pretty good press uh, in the last few yep. years. Uh, in case anyone's not familiar, what's what's been going on with the with the, with the club? Um, well, uh, the state news gave us a nice uh, front page article this year. It was more of a features article talking about some of the more of the human side of the the team, brothers and sisters, and different stories like that. Um, the, our men's team actually disqualified for the national championship, which is oh, wow. coming up in a couple of weeks in Wichita, Kansas. And um, our women qualified for the postseason, uh, the national qualifier. Um, they didn't quite finish high enough to qualify for nationals, but they had another good year, and I'm very proud of them. And is this, uh, are they sort of coming, are they shooting up uh, better now, or have they, they always been good? What's, um, what's been the, the, the record for the teams? Well, as far as, far as the, the men, this is their, their 15th uh, time uh, making it to the national championships. Um, and the men have had a team since uh, around the 1950s when they started with a Big Ten conference team. Mm. Um, and the women had a team for about 20 years from the early 70s to the early 90s. And then the past uh, about eight or nine years, they've had a, a team also. And uh, the women have gone to nationals three times. And, uh, again, they didn't didn't quite qualify this year, but hopefully next year they'll be even better. And I think they'll have a really good year. Yeah, so. it sounds like, I mean, of course, I, you know, everyone focuses on a lot of the, the bigger sports, the football and basketball, things like that. But, I mean, we've always, I mean, we, we've definitely got a lot of really successful, you know, less recognized groups on campus, I think. Was it safe to say that the bowling club is one of them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, uh, the men's team have, have gone nationals many times. Uh, they've they've uh, finished as high as runner-up twice. Uh, I believe in the early 80s and uh, late 90s, and so uh, you know we we've done pretty well. Uh, it, college bowling is kind of an interesting uh, organization um, because there's really no divisions as far as like uh, Division One uh, based on school size. It's all mm-hmm. kind of grouped in together. So there's teams that have uh, full ride scholarship bowlers, uh, which MSU is is not currently one of them. So we compete against uh, you know. Team USA members who are getting paid to go to school to bowl, basically, oh, wow. and we um, <clears throat> it kind of comes in cycles with MSU. We we find people that are really good that happen to come to MSU, um, obviously first for academics and just happen to bowl and find out about the team. Um, so as far as recruiting, it's it's kind of hard to do some of that, but uh, mostly we just like to get the word out, you know, around Michigan and because I mean Michigan is a, a big bowling state, especially the Detroit area. Um, so there's plenty of decent bowlers uh, in the state. So the more we can tell about the team, the more we can hopefully get to come to MSU and sure. bowl for us. Now, uh, if folks are, are interested in getting involved, I mean, it sounds like you, you've got a really uh, really high-level team going on. I mean, is it, is it something just a casual bowler can approach, get involved with? Or? Um, the, it's, uh, 
it, it is more of a high level uh, competitive team. Um, we do have uh, B team. We have a B team this year that actually did pretty well. Mm. Uh, fo- uh, finished pretty high in several tournaments and finished higher than the A team in one tournament. We oh, had a wow. bit of a, a team rivalry <laughs> going on that time. But uh, it's it's definitely uh, something for more of the more serious uh, bowler. But um, the biggest thing is if, if you really have a love for the sport and you're dedicated to getting better, um, there's definitely resources within the team and the program to, to get better and to uh, you know redevelop that love for it and take it to a higher level. Sure. No, I mean, of course, a lot of folks, I think, I'm personally speaking, I tend to think of bowling a pretty just fun, casual, recreational sport, not really that strong, competitive. Yeah. How, do you, how do you coach something like that? Um, well, I, I was, you know, I, I have kind of an analogy that I, I used, you know, with, with the, the open bowling, which is what we usually refer to it as, you know, going to the bowling alley and using the bright colored bowling balls mm-hmm. and the rented shoes. <laughs> I, I kind of compare that more to like kickball as oh, far yeah. as like, yeah. you know, in the, in the baseball uh, system. And then, um, you know, regular league bowlers would be more of like the, the softball players you know, that, you know, they, they uh, play in a league every week and they're really serious about it. But, you know, it's not quite baseball, like collegiate baseball or professional right. baseball. And I, I definitely feel that like our our team and the organization that we compete in is more like the collegiate level baseball, you know, full on, you know, where all, all three levels kind of have the same basics in common, the, the level of uh, level of uh, competitiveness and uh and skill goes up definitely. Excellent. So, so when it comes to when it comes to preparing for a big tournament, I mean, you know, I I I, I think of you know coaching for for other sports. You know, we've all seen movies about you know football, baseball. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what goes into that. But what goes into coaching for for a, a bowling team? Um, well, a lot of the the basic stuff. You know, like you said, it, it's it's all very common. You know, you want to keep positive attitude and and get fired up. I mean, you know, uh, there there's been. Uh, like NCAA women's teams in bowling who have been successful with coaches from other sports. Mm. I know uh, Vanderbilt won the national championship in the NCAA last year, and they had a, a coach who I believe had coached volleyball for so many years. So he wasn't necessarily a bowling coach, but a lot of the, the motivational skills and the um, the psychological things were, were, were uh, consistent. Um, so it's just a matter of keeping a good mental attitude and just focusing on what you got to do and um, you know, just staying positive. If you stay positive, you can do a lot of things. Sure. So, what are what are some of the the physical you know requirements for someone who's on a bowling team? Um, <clears throat> well, it, it's you know, it's really a matter of using whatever physiology you have. I mean, there's some people that ha- use more muscle mass, and it, it's just a matter of learning how to use your physicality to your advantage. Um, the the best the best form is usually more fluid and mm-hmm. just kind of getting momentum going and, and continuing momentum through uh, through a swing when you're bowling and uh, just just getting used to again just kind of using what you have to your advantage sure. and, and knowing that you know 150 pound five foot two woman probably won't throw the ball the same as a six foot two 350 pound man right. uh, not that they can't outscore you know the men it's just a matter of Using what you have, sure, you know, in the right way. Now, so. yeah, my friend of mine will always always insist that you know just hurling the ball down will always that's the best way to do it. Is yeah. that well, maybe uh, not not always the case? Uh, again, that that's kind of in the the, the kickball type, you know, like, you know like just <laughs> novelty have, have fun. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's all about having fun, and no matter how serious you are, it's it's just a matter of uh, having a good time, and you know, just finding something to be competitive at. Um, as far as the collegiate level, and, and even farther. Um, it's it's a matter of kind of manipulating physics with oil that's out in the lane and mm. uh, different uh, uh, potential energies in, in a bowling ball to create a, a, a good angle into the the pocket, which is the the head pin and the the one to the right for the right handers or the one to the left for the lefties, just to carry as many pins as possible and and then just basically knock down as many as possible. Sure, kind of reminds me of golf in that way that it's it's I mean there's so many you know like oh, yeah. just all the minutiae basically. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that that people would never really think about. I mean, especially like I mentioned the oil, unless you really get down and look at it, you really can't see uh what's going on and so a lot of people don't even take that into account. But I mean, the um in the college level, they set up oil patterns in a specific way to make it difficult to oh. score really high. Um, which, like on house bowling and, and more recreational bowling, they kind of make it a little bit easier because people want to bowl high scores and they'll come and pay sure. more money. They want to show off your friends. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in college level uh, competition, the oil patterns are more difficult. And just the fact that we bowl for so long during a tournament, we'll bowl sometimes eight hours a day. You know that oil is going to move around. It's going right. to go places. So that that's kind of a <clears throat> an adjustment you need to keep in mind. So. 
Well, not there any, any. I mean, of course, uh, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are more in the kickball end of, of, of the bowling uh, uh, frame. But uh, uh, any tips you have for for how to be a better bowler, or just for po- folks who just enjoy it in sort of a casual way? Um, I, I think uh, a good thing to do if if you don't already, if, depending on your level of interest, is is to watch uh, a lot of the PBA, the pref- professional bowlers on ESPN uh, most Sundays. I know their season is is wrapping up here pretty soon, but uh, you you can get a lot of tips just from watching them. I know <clears throat> I've heard several people on the PBA talking about how that's just how they learned mm. watching their favorite bowler on TV and picking up things here and there. Um, but uh, again, depending on how far you'd like to take it, there, there's uh, definitely there's coaches in the area, there's uh, certified coaches. Um, I myself am a certified coach. Um, and there's a, a website at uh, bowl.com. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty simple. Uh, you can find coaches in the area if you're, if you're looking to, to take it to a higher level or um, <clears throat> any of the pro shops and the bowling alleys here usually have uh, some knowledgeable staff that can point you in the right direction. Well, terrific. Well, we're just about out of time here, but uh, any uh, last words you'd like to leave about the bowling club? Um, I wanted to say hi to Brian. Uh, <laughs> so I to give him a shout-out. He's on our team right now. He's doing pretty good. Uh, so he, he's one of the guys that will be traveling to Wichita, and uh, I just wish him luck, and I can't wait to go. It's going to be a fun trip. Well, terrific. Well, best of luck to you. Congratulations so far, thank and you uh, thank you for coming by. Well, uh, we were just sitting down with Chris from MSU Bowling Club. Uh, of course, their website, uh, msu.edu, and then slash the little tilde, that uh, key right next to the one on your keyboard, and then Bowl Club is their uh, their website. Uh, this has been Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. Uh, we're going to throw things over to Progressive Torch and Twang. Looks like they're getting all set up in there. They're ready to go. Fantastic show, as always. Thumbs up to Chris right there. Uh, we're going <laughs> to throw things over to them in just a minute. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.